Hello there. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This is Geraldine Quinn with a quick pre-podcast announcement. In January, for four shows only, there's going to be a live variety jamboree, also called Bang on the Strillers. It's not a live podcast record, but it does feature a lot of the people who I've already spoken to on the podcast or whom I will be speaking to in the near future. Um, So it's different guests every week. It's me and Scott Brennan every week, different show every week, 6pm on Sundays, on the 10th, the 17th, the 24th and the 31st of January. It goes for about an hour. Uh, it's at the Butterfly Club and that's in uh, in the middle of the city in Five Carson Place. You can get tickets from www.thebutterflyclub.com or you could have a look at my site, www.geraldinequinn.com. Actually, I haven't added it to my site yet. I'll do that. I'll do that now. I'll do that now while this is uploading. Meantime, welcome to episode six. Hey there, cats and kittens, and welcome to episode six of Bang on the Strillers, where I, Geraldine Quinn, singer-songwriter, ginger and Bowie enthusiast, visit friends of mine in the cabaret, burlesque and drag industries to chat and or attempt not to libel ourselves for a certain number of minutes. This week, my guest is one of the hardest working people in show business, Michael Dalton, also known by his alter ego, Dolly Diamond. Together, we examine Chris Kringle nightmares, the whereabouts of Emilio Estevez, shit gigs, and what not to say to somebody after the aforementioned shit gigs. There may be mild swears and a little light censorship in the interest of our future careers in the arts. And now, on with the free thing I made for you out of the goodness of my heart. Please subscribe, please. Um, have you listened to any of the podcasts no. before? Okay, that's a good start. Um, (laughs) We're our own version of whatever it is anyway. Um, uh, It was going to go however we wanted it to go, so I thought I'd rather not. I don't like to watch stuff or listen to stuff. (laughs) When people say, have you seen that movie because you're going to do a play or something else? No, I'd hate to do that. All right. You know, of course, you're going to play The Lion and The Wizard of Oz. Chances are you've already watched it. (laughs) Some things are unavoidable. But I don't like to be, you know, do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah, it's not laziness. <laughs> I am lazy. That wasn't laziness. It's not what you were telling me in your kitchen before, Michael Dalton. I'm always quite lazy. Really? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, my, I don't drive. I noticed that because you offered me your car park. Yes. Although Liam, uh, who I live with, he's at work. Oh, right. And so that was why that was available. But I've never driven because I'm just too lazy to go and do the driving test. Really? Really. But you aren't a, you live in Melbourne. Melbourne's a driving kind of a... I didn't always live in Melbourne, though. Australia's a very driving kind of a town. It's a very driven country. <laughs> I didn't always live here, though, did I? I lived in London for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I've been here now seven years, and I lived here in 82 to 92. I, sh- I would, have, would have learnt then, really. Has it only been seven years? Yeah. But I've been coming here on and off because oh. I was living in London. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. I just sort of felt like... Gypsy. <laughs> I felt like I just... Um, you'd been around for longer and I just missed missed you. I missed you too. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's uh, like I've done 12 midsummers or, you know, because I've been coming backwards and forwards. So. Which is the uh, LGBTI festival in Melbourne. Indeed. I just like to you know, put little things like that in just in case... Well, you're a journalist. Just in of course case... course you do. Anybody outside of Melbourne it's ever like listens to this. Working with Yarn Event... <laughs> Two comes surprised and say, Geraldine, do. <laughs> oh, I don't know who that is. I don't talk about oh. God enough, probably. No. Um, sorry, Geraldine. She's the host of Compass. Oh, okay. On ABC. I, I do watch some of those on ABC, but not that one. She's She's got rather a mellifluous voice. She's good at her job. It's just that she hosts the, you know, Compass is the religion show. Okay, that's why I don't, I'm not religious. Oh, it's more like... Catalyst is the science show. Compass is the religion show. Okay. So it's not, it's Worse. not, let's talk about Jesus. It's just, we're looking at the topic of religion broadly worldwide. Through the eyes of the Lord. No. Uh, okay. No. Uh, <laughs> I've got a lazy eye, so I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, if you've not listened to the podcast before, then some of the things we've covered so far, which 
are by no means off limits. They're just to give you an idea is uh, extreme clumsiness, including accidents on and off stage. I don't really do that. I'm lucky there. Right. And I wear flats and (laughs) six inches. So I'm pretty lucky. Uh, We've talked about children a little bit. Yes, I have one of those. And we've talked about uh, growing up uh, in the country or the outer suburbs. Uh, Ringwood. When we moved from London, it was over to Ringwood. Imagine that. Really? It was a culture shock. Yeah. Mind you, I was living in Beckenham, which is in Kent in England. So it's not, it's just Ringwood is Ringwood, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's really suburban. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, but it ended up being a really good move because, you know, the high school I went to was really musical. Oh, great. So I was really lucky. In fact, the recent gigs that I've done, my couple of music drama teacher and English teacher all came along to the gigs. No. Really supportive. I ran into one of them. Right. I did. I ran into somebody who was a, te- a teacher of yours, I'm sure. And they were... Were they angry? Yes. In tears, I think. Yeah. What, Inconsolable. What a dickhead. <laughs> what have I done? Do you, have your, do you still have your school reports? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't look at them, but that, that would make for a good cabaret, I reckon. Do you know what? I went to, as you know, I'm sure, I grew up in Wagga Wagga. Mm. And at the school, primary school that I went to in Wagga, we had a merit and demerit system. So we had merit cards and demerit cards. Now, demerit cards is a big deal. My mother was a teacher at this school. So if you got a demerit card, it was no television for three weeks, which was the worst thing we could think about. Prisoner was no prisoner in my house if you you were naughty. Oh, really? What did you get your demerits so the demerit was my my brother got one once. I can't remember what, what he got it for, but I, I never got one. Oh, you did not. No, I, I have, but I have a stack of merit cards that's about two inches thick, and you'd get them for things like I brought a dragonfly to to show and tell once, and that okay. was impressive, or yes. I was helpful to somebody, or. And I feel a bit bad about it because most of my merit cards were really coming from a place of fear of punishment. Does that matter? They did. They don't. They didn't mind. They didn't know. No, no. They didn't mind either. That's why they give you that, and you also to reinforce the good behaviour. Yes, absolutely. It's very clockwork orange, and that's why they do it so that you get the demerit for you know to scare you out of bad behaviour. So it's fear either way. Absolutely, wow. that's life, isn't it? Because nowadays demerit is like prison or you know death. That's a grown-up demerit card. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had either of those either. <laughs> but you get five, and you got a, a, a teacher's card or something like that and then you got five of those or three of those you get a principal's card and they were a bit bigger mm-hmm. so you could actually trade in individual merit cards for for the like the, the promotion that's funny <laughs> and they were blue except for the principal's one which was beige the demerit ones were orange it doesn't that says it all doesn't it principal beige Says it all. I'm going to dig these up and find some. <laughs> yes. You need to be photographed in front of them all, all on the walls in your school uniform. Oh, I haven't got a fair dish, but that just sounds like a good idea. Transition. There aren't even many baby photos of me. Really? Why? <laughs> it's like two. Oh, because there's, I was the sixth child. Okay. I was they a ran fourth. out of film. I was a fourth and I don't, I don't know if I've got any baby photos. Isn't that weird? I, I don't. I mean, I get it, don't you? I mean, you know. Oh, well, go on then. One more quickly. Hurry. I would get that it, ex- baby. except that my little sister got a lot more. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that isn't good. They found the Kodak shop. Are you Jan? What? Jan Brady. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one no one remembers. Better than being Alice. Alice. I mean, Alice was cool, but, you know, the maid. Oh, oh! She passed away. Yeah, pass well, away then it's definitely better than being Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever really thought about my my life or my position in the family in um, Brady terms. I um, what are, do you view your other brothers? I'm, I'm viewed as the golden child, mm. mm-hmm. mm. the one that got it all. Mm. Which you know, and when you are that that one. And you look at your own life and you think, really? You think I got it all because I seem to remember, you know, not getting this and not doing that and not, you know. So we've all got our cross to bear. Or That's very interesting because that was definitely not me. Right. There was... Well, it wouldn't be because you were the Jan. <laughs> well, there's seven of us. Right. And That's the, a lot, isn't it? And the middle child, bang, in the middle. I think I chatted with Mike McLeish about this, um, is Leon. 
who's also ginger, and I'm the middle of the three little kids. Right. So he was in between everybody properly, the absolute kind of centre point. But then there's this big gap between the four oldest and the three youngest, and I was in the middle of the youngest ones. So my brother always got to be the one the babysat. It always got to be the one okay. in charge. And my little sister's the one that had all the baby photos taken of her. And, and it was, oh, she's just your little sister. Like, yeah, right. Tables have turned now. My sister used to babysit us, me and my other brother, who's three years older than me. And when mum and dad would go out, he would immediately go to like the freezer and get the ice cream out and just sit and eat ice cream in front of us. Oh, in front of you. And not let us have any. And that's why now I binge eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's not why, but I do binge eat. <laughs> Who doesn't, really? What is binge eating? Just enjoying Tim Tams, all, like all of them. Yeah, you know, it's ridiculous to say that. Technically, a meal is... <laughs> I'm having a binge. It's midday for binging? Yeah. See you there. So if you have... Yeah. So if you binge between breakfast and lunch, it's bringe. It's it. <laughs> oh, family say. Yeah, yeah. What um, else? What else did you cover? Because I was loving going through what everybody else had covered. Oh, what else? Grief. We talked right. a bit about grief and with Michelle's, um, Michelle Brazier and I were talking about how you have this incredibly thin line between hysterical laughing and, and grief that I seem to t- tip over a lot at right. funerals. <laughs> right. Um, and how we think that's quite a healthy thing. Well, both my mum and dad passed away and I am, I'm one of those that doesn't... Uh, celebrate or really remember the day they died I think it's I prefer to remember the day they were born and I raised my glass on that day okay because it just for me just you know and you know people write on Facebook oh it's been nine years since I think well it's all right for them but that's not what I do yeah friends of mine lost one of their brothers another big family and in an accident a while ago it was an amazing funeral too it was like it was completely yeah like celebratory determined and I think they're great they're the best yeah, and and they always make a they fuss that they make about Tom's on um, on his birthday. Yeah, yeah. and time. what about you? Would you uh, plan your funeral? Do you know anything about it? No, I've been thinking about it more though. As right. I, I feel the impending march of death. I would like a celebration, wouldn't you? You know. Oh yeah, like if I could afford a New Orleans band to play down the street, I would. But I'm struggling to. I'm afford- not paying for it. I'm struggling to afford them in the studio at the moment. <laughs> what you need to do is leave a list of suggestions. Not you don't leave any money. Oh, okay. And I would like this. And if you valued me whilst I was alive, you'll give me that. Golden child. Do you know, it's, I'll tell you what, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I find death fascinating for a lot of reasons yep. and death rights really fascinating. And I've been reading um, Jessica Mitford's book on the American way of death, which Evelyn Waugh read when he um, wrote The Loved One. And she wrote it in the, oh, gosh, was it 40s, was it 50s? It must be, no, it must have been 30s or 40s because he wrote that novel uh, in 48, I think. Anyway, someone mm-hmm. will look it up and tell me I'm wrong. But anyway... She's writing about funeral homes and the change in America um, with death rights and what people used to sort of you know, having what it was like. You used to have the parlor and you'd have the and you'd have your loved one in the parlor and people would come around and part of that ritual and people were more exposed to to death and a dead body or whatever yes. else. And that that kind of how that was removed from people to become part of this industry. Yeah. And she was attending conventions and things and just listening to the way that people are talking about how to display lay the coffins so what you see in a purely salesperson sense yeah well we have guides and brochures don't we now yeah. everything in it would you like this color or this satin or yeah you know, what nonsense and it just was so insidious and she would and she actually got to this i haven't finished the book yet but she was talking to a couple of people about whether there was any law like californian law or what have you to um to transport the body. It's like, oh, well, no, you, according to the law, you have to do it in a casket of this quality or whatever else. And there's nothing. You could you could bung it in your car right. and take it over and it wouldn't be a problem. Well, I wouldn't like that, just mm. so you can please write that down. No. Oh, this, this will be on record now. It's on record. Yeah. Unless I cut it out and then who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the funeral procession's just going to their ears in the back. It's without a seatbelt as well. That's outrageous. Oh, but also the crematorium. The idea that you have to buy a casket to be put into the crematorium. Yeah, right. And now you're trying to tell people that it's by law, at least at the time that she was writing this. And it's and she's looking at it and going, oh, I don't think it actually is. Yeah. This is all a massive thing. And now pitch. we're just used to it and there's no other way, is there really? 
Yeah, because you're you're in an emotionally fragile state when you're doing that shopping. It's yeah. not like you're spending the time to shop around or get on the internet and find the same casket for fifty percent off or something. Well, actually, I I have planned a funeral and shopped around. I mean, because you know, if if they've got no money, then you know you have to do that. I think. Yeah. But, I mean, it's difficult when it's someone incredibly close to you. I yeah. did it for a mate. Well, and that it was you know whatever. It what? <laughs> they were a mate, but it was a mate's mate. But oh yeah. They were really really close. And I tried to bargain them down. Well, I would. I was brought up that way anyway, so I do bargain. Oh, and I think there's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything anything disrespectful with doing that. The point that that she was making was how the other side, the seller, yes. takes advantage of people, uh, and the and the language that's used to try to say, oh, and and you know, the loved one yeah. will be more comfortable in. The six thousand dollar casket. Yeah, absolutely. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And you're just going, what? Yeah, when you're dead, you're dead. Yeah, that's, that's cheery, isn't definitely it? Definitely true. It is true, though. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Should have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's early. <laughs> Transition. I was talking to my doctor about one of my increasing amount of ailments, and um. And I wanted her to do a liver test and she just looked at me. You haven't this. got one. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't, I think my life would be a lot simpler yeah. and less less fraught with exactly. worry. But um, she just kind of looked at me and went, standard amount of drinks is the standard amount of drinks. So yeah, sure. That's actually but, it. <laughs> but she hadn't looked at it though. No. No, so it's, it must be all right then. <laughs> yeah. The pain in my upper right quadrant's fine. That's so, fine. No issues. Oh my god, you know what I found? I found this so enjoyable. It might not be funny. I found somebody who's who's a doctor who has done medical reviews of every episode of House. Is it oh yes, go on. How accurate is it? Oh, not very. No. But they're quite fair about it. Um so he he was he reviews their medical procedure as well as the soap opera element and you yeah, know right. the drama and how well written it is and that. like he does he does do everything but the bulk of it is just why would you even do that you don't know that that's a different thing to this thing and what the hell is this and they should have known that what are they doing that how come all these people do every single procedure there are specialists in hospitals it's hilarious what you need is to get a comedian to look at the whole <laughs> It was at this point that Michael Dalton decided to actually name a current television show that is on the air. I, however, have taken the opportunity to censor the naming of this television show. Please continue with your normal programming. If you want to know what it was, then the next time you see me at a performance, ask and I I might tell you. Maybe. Maybe. Unless you're in it, then I probably won't. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) I don't know if I can leave that in. (laughs) Why not? <laughs> Our friends have worked on it. <laughs> it's saying nothing. I didn't say anything either. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. Okay, watch it. Let me know. Like any gig or anything, there are good bits in it and there are bits that I, I don't find very funny. That's life though, isn't it? Mm. And, that, and that should definitely be in because that is life. Do we did our transition? If you ever... Um, watched a comedian or a performer and then thought that it didn't go well and that they're not going in the right sort of direction and then spoken to them about it. Would you ever do that? It depends how drunk I am. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I do... I think when someone's beginning, that's probably a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, I can't imagine going up to, you know, someone who's been doing this for long for, for many years and saying something like that you know and I how would I react if someone said it to me and of course we you know that's it, it would you'd be an idiot not to realize that there'll, there'll be peaks and troughs in your performing mm. but you know I think and the moment you ask somebody I think that's when the floodgates can open isn't it you know if I said to you god that I just don't feel that went very well what do you think you know that's when I would be honest but it, back, back to that it's about saying Something in the right way, you know. There's no just because I've opened up my heart doesn't mean you should stab it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've certainly seen. I think when I tra- I did train as an actor for three years, and it was kind of a part time ish course. So we had to. So the people that were there really wanted to be there because yeah, we were coming straight from work and doing three nights a week more in third year. Um, and 
I f- had a very small group, the same, like all 12 of us went through from second to third year and they were very disparate people, different backgrounds. And I think that doing that got me a bit better at finding good stuff because you're in there, you're, you're there. Yeah. You're watching them do their Shakespeare piece and their this piece and that piece. And there's yeah, you're this, open every time you do it, aren't you? You, you, have to, you have to go through it so you may as well sort of go, yeah. do you know what, that, that bit that there was a really nice, that thing that that person did is something that only that person brings to that thing. I think you that's, uh, for me, I, I reckon I act my performances rather mm. than, you know, I don't know, I think that's how I do Dolly Diamond or how I do, you know, other stuff. You know, I think you can be, you can have a funny bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, for me that's, I'm you know, you act it, you know. What do you mean you act it? Well, rather than, you know, like a lot of comedy, you know, comedians as such, it seems to be slightly more, uh, you know, I don't know if it's off the cuff, but more of a delivery in the sense. I don't know if you, when you see a comedian do something, I don't know if they're acting, are they? Or are they just sort of doing their stand-up? Well, I think what's more difficult is what you have character. That's what I mean, you know, I guess, then. It's, you know. Dolly Diamond is a character which gives you a, a, an out. But aren't you a character when you're doing modern, modern day? That yes, feels yes, to me it, like more of a character than a Geraldine stand-up gig. Yes and no, but that took that took a few years to find the stage version of me. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So a lot of the people that I've worked with um, are, are similar to me is that they present as themselves on stage, but just finding what's the what's the version of me that lets me get away with a bit of stuff. Yeah. And I think in the last three four years that's become the slightly dissolute, <laughs> um, drunk but not really drunk, but just a bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sort of fucked everything up. <laughs> yeah, acting a little wacky. Yeah, a little bit, but there's always a bit of a kind of a wink. There's a oh, did I sorry? Did I just did I just say penis? What? Yeah, yeah. It's a very aware thing, but that's probably that's probably what I'm like when I'm teasing. Apart from talking about penises, the the nieces and nephews. Like, there's, I hope there's, that's coming up next. Is that's, it? That's an element of <laughs> element of the way I, re- I behave with them. Sometimes it's just that teasing. Right. I think I brought some of that to whatever I do on stage. And I definitely did Dolly in the beginning um, because I had more confidence in being someone else than being myself. Mm. It's a lot easier to be somebody else, isn't it? It is. And so once you've found the parameters of your stage persona as you, that becomes what your character is when you walk on stage. I didn't think I could get away with being Michael on stage in the sense of you know, being a sort of loud, big old Mary, really, you know. And, you know, do I really want to do that? Do I really (laughs) want to be that? But you've done that now, haven't you? Yes, now I have, you know. That was recent. Yeah, and over the last couple of years, probably, you know, and which is good, it's back to being me again, you know. Well, that version of, you you know, whoever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You And your play as well, what happened? How'd that go? Really, really well. What it was, was it amazing. Called? A different way home. A different way home. Yeah, about a brother and sister. So played the brother in Act One, Leslie, and his sister Maureen in Act Two, and it was lovely. You know, I've never, I haven't acted like that for years, and I don't know if I've ever acted like that anyway. But learning massive monologues, I without a doubt nearly gave up because. <sighs> I'm not a sponge for knowledge and I don't like learning anything. <laughs> I said that in the beginning, you know, don't have a driver's license, don't have, you know, I hate it, you know. I, but I did it and it went really well. So do you fell into music when you were a kid or? Um, I, uh, yeah, I started singing when I was really young, when I was seven. My parents made me join a choir, which I wanted to, but my brother had auditioned and he got in and he was three years older and they said, the other one's too young, um, but my dad said, if you take one, you have to take the other. Oh, really? Because we want our weekends. <laughs> so uh, that was it. I joined the Bromley Boys Singers. Of course you did. We were amazing. <laughs> Got all our albums. And uh, <laughs> then the guy that was, you know, the lead head teacher or whatever from that um, suggested that I audition for Oliver in the West End. And so I did. And then I got the role of Oliver. Uh, when I was 10 years of age. Really? Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, so, so, you know, been doing performing and musicals and stuff like that, you know, and moving to Australia and doing, 
you know, amateur musical theatre and... Why, why did they decide to come here? My eldest brother and sister had moved over and they loved it and we came over to visit on holidays and we loved it, you know, uh. compared to London. I mean, we just arrived, it was so warm for a start. You do notice that, of course. You Mad know. dogs in Englishmen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we were, um, yeah, moved out to a beautiful Ringwood and uh, carried on, really. Carried on with the music and the drama and Box Hill College for drama and Rusden for drama. Oh, yeah. And I joined the Phones, the a cappella group, the Phones. Are oh, you in the Phones? I was. Oh, my God. I took over from Mark Jones. I was the new Mark. Oh, because you know Mark Jones, the reason I wanted him to play on my show but can't get him because you booked him, is um, he, well, he did my first cabaret. Oh. I didn't know what the hell a cabaret was. First three cabarets I saw were... Do we now? No. <laughs> was we t- know how to entertain. I, I saw Eddie Perfect, oh. who I, I knew his technician, who's actually the engineer for my the album I'm recording right now when we went to high school together. And then I saw Tim Minchin, who I'd met in late 2004, and then I saw Mark Jones and Melissa Langton at Spiegel Tent. Right. Because... I just went, I don't know, I have no idea what cabaret is. So I kind of picked a good bunch of people to, say, to go and oath. see. And then went, okay, it seems to be talking a bit and singing And a now bit. they're going, you know, great guns, all of those, aren't they? Oh, oh yeah. Eddie Perfect doesn't really work. But no, well, they the who'd still? hire him, yeah. you know. It's his attitude, really. Yeah. Just muck, like, mucking about on play so school these days. Oh, oh man, it's so hard to work with. Oh. I don't think I'm alone. I'm actually joking, Eddie, if you do hear this. I know, I know your lovely wife follows me on Instagram, so um, that was obviously a joke. But I'm so paranoid. I'm so paranoid that every time I say something that's purposely ironic or, you know, for a humorous effect that someone's going to take me seriously. I don't think anybody takes me seriously. I think I'm no, all right. I think you're all right. I think I'm on a knife edge with some people. Do you like that, though? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just go, oh, I see how far I can push this. But, I, yeah, yeah, it's got me in trouble. Sometimes. But, you know, and it took me a while to kind of work out when it wasn't me. Rather that than a butter knife. What does that mean? Well, boring, dull, dull blade. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, or a spatula. I live my life on the edge of a spatula. <laughs> a ladle. No, see, these are, these are wrong. Wooden spoon. No, you don't want that. <laughs> knife edge. <laughs> knife edge. That's what you want. But that's everybody, isn't it? Oh, I mean, no, I don't think it is. I think you you definitely do. I? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're paranoid. No, I, I could. I think you know. I, I, it's, it's back to that. You know, it's what you're what you're like the rest of your life. I mean, if you were an absolute you know bitch, then yeah, people would take that seriously. But you're not. So. Oh no, I don't think so. You're not. Okay, good. Transition. I never did a lot of drugs. I've never been a drug taker. Right. I probably got more on that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a big fan of, um, I mean. I've sort of outgrown it, but I mean, you know, let's not say completely. Well, and then I don't have to put any of this in, by the way. I I never, I don't, and nothing leaves my mouth if I'm not happy for it to be anywhere. Right. Anywhere. Why would you be? What's... What's wrong? I mean, it's practically, I think the fact that you're honest about it, it's quite naive to suggest that I would have lived to my age and be the person I am and not had drugs. Yeah. Uh, Of course I have. (laughs) Give me them now. (laughs) I just never did. It was 90s. I think ecstasy sort of came in around that Well, you were worried you'd get a demerit badge. (laughs) Card. Demerit card. Oh, sorry. Demerit card from Henschke Primary School for taking ecstasy. Cocaine abuse. See, I wasn't worried. We didn't get the cards. I think that's... I'm going to have to Photoshop that in. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, listeners. At this point, I picked up a number of small ceramic pieces of fruit that were in a bowl on the coffee table. And this was Michael's response. I was just trying to think of another... You're fingering my strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) This is no... This is not a strawberry. It is. It's supposed to be a strawberry. Bullshit. I bought those for the opening of the Cabaret Festival as I was coming down the aisle singing the Oliver Medley. (laughs) Singing, ripe strawberries, ripe. (laughs) Okay, now I look at them more closely there. I've got some rudimentary resemblance to strawberries. 
They kind of look like tomato strawberries I to me. I know, but from a distance. Lucky I didn't pick up one of your glistening balls. Luckily the venue wasn't very busy, so... <laughs> Nobody really criticised. Transition! I have a sibling who who's... Um, am I going to leave this in? Um, I have a sibling who is very enthusiastic about Kris Kringle. Okay. Now, I don't like Kris Kringle. Okay. For a lot of reasons. I understand the economic reasons for it. Yeah. I never liked it in the in the workplace because I feel like I was being forced to care about someone. How awful. That I didn't care about. <laughs> um I felt like I maybe this is a very naive thing, but I feel like uh-huh. the act of gift giving shouldn't have a level of obligation on it. Well, no, it definitely shouldn't. I mean, we, we live in the world where it does, but yeah. Yeah, so when that crept into the family, because more and more children were being born, so the Kris Kringle for the children makes yeah. sense, but, but then it crept into us as well. And bear in mind, that's two incomes for everybody else. I know, yes. Um, I was always opting out, always opting out, and I always got pity presents from some of my siblings, which I'm very, I know very you're not joining in, but we got you this anyway. Very grateful yeah. for. Thank you. Because they're the ones that oh, really care. I don't often use talc, but thank you. No, it's not talc. It's, no, they're good presents. Okay, good, good. They're actually good presents. Great. And mum and dad always get me something, which is great as well, and I appreciate that I do. But there's one sibling of mine who's... Fucking gung ho about Chris Kringle, right? And, and I have had a little bit of a stressful week, and we got a little Facebook message going, "Come on, guys, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, it's just thirty bucks. I know everyone's busy, and Geraldine, <laughs> she snapped. Yeah, okay. she snapped. So I'm not in the Chris Kringle this year. I would put thirty dollars in an envelope. Say it's only thirty dollars. Can I tell you the worst thing that happened one Christmas? I think this was last Christmas. I got I did get an envelope. I got an envelope from one of my sisters. And I as I was opening it I said, <laughs> I hope this isn't a goat. It was. Oh. It was a goat for a poor country. How the hell did they get it in an envelope? <laughs> no, it was by a goat for a village. Okay. And she was sitting right next to me when I said that as a joke. <laughs> And you've you could hear the whirring of the back pedals and the the bike chains. Oh, it is a goat. Oh my god! Oh, thank God, I was That's joking such about good it. Good idea. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, well, oh, you know, yeah. I we grew up practically giving the receipt in the in the <laughs> wrapping. Stapled. You know, if you don't like it, you, know, you can take it back. Mm. And I'm not worried about Christmas at all. I, you know, I like I like it, you know. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's about um, being with mates or you know family if you've got it or you know. Yeah, where's and just you have to just enjoy that day. But it isn't fun. New Year's Eve is like that as well. You know, there's <sighs> so much pressure on New Year's Eve. Mm. Um, I, I, like I New thought Year's I might day just, more. I might live stream me getting drunk at home on New Year's Eve. That could be any day. <laughs> I could just um, pre-record it and then. They won't know. Pre-record you getting they, drunk. They won't know. And then, <laughs> and then just periscope it. Yeah. Like just point a camera at at, at me playing Ten, on the nine. nine. <laughs> and I'll be slightly out of sync. <laughs> well, you would be anyway. <laughs> that would make it fun. No, I'll be unconscious by the countdown. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to WA for New Year's and uh, Christmas. Pourquoi? Um, Trevor White is over there, me mate, and uh, Luke Gallagher's going to come over, and Zoe and Danae, and you know we realised it was if we all, if a couple of us made an effort, there'd be a big group of us. Well, another friend of mine always does an orphans Christmas. Yeah, then, that'd be good. Yeah, because his like family's up in, in Queensland, and I never went because he always did it on Christmas Day, of course. I never went thinking I had this real obligation to the family, but I might actually, if Scott does it again this year, I might actually sort of it might be a good. And what I, I guess what I don't like is that everyone feels very obligated on that one day, whereas yeah. all the rest of the days of the year, if you've got a mum and dad or if you've got people in your lives, why not make an effort the rest of the year as well, mm. which I do with I did with my mum and dad, like a lot, mm. um, so that when they, you know, when they were alive, I didn't worry so much about going there for Christmas Day and they weren't that worried either, you know, because it was boring, that's the main reason, you know, and we'd all sit around waiting for something to happen yeah. and I thought, well, you know, it's not going 
going to. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, let's not wait for it to not happen. I won't come. We basically wait for the, the Christmas cricket match to start. Oh, my God. That was see, no. And even when I was younger, you know, you'd try to go out of an evening. Like, you know, are we allowed out on Christmas? No. And then they realised you'd be so bored and just... In the arse it's pretty, that they wanted you to go out. It's pretty boring. By about that five, four or five o'clock, it's getting really, I don't think this is going to. I like the meal. Yes. That's really nice. Yes. Yeah. And the dessert and, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I won't wear a Christmas hat because my head's too big. <laughs> and I've been, I've learned over the years. It's just, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I tell you what I miss. I miss. Bo- I like board games. I like oh, I do. somebody would always get a board game and then we'd play. Yeah. But the, but since the advent of the amount of different screens, that's really hard to get the kids to play. But I really really love board games. I do too. So I might you know force Monopoly. Did you on grow someone. up playing Monopoly? Oh yeah. I did. What what? Which piece did yeah. I choose? Oh, ooh, I had a few favourites. I liked the dog and I liked the racing car. I wouldn't play unless I was the dog. And I liked the shoe. Golden shoe. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah, I just would not play. And my brother was always a car. I think one time he was the he was the boot. I thought, what? Are you all right? The boot's pretty. What's I like the you? boot. Yeah, but yeah. that's not a you know typical boy thing to want to be. Yeah, it looks like a kind of good cobbler's shoe. You Kick know. me head in, probably. You probably would have chosen just it got if a it Melbourne was a one. stiletto I heel. Would. <laughs> I would. No, I didn't want to out myself. Um, nobody knew. <laughs> I was 26 by the time someone... No way! <laughs> no, no way. Um, <laughs> they've got a Melbourne version of Monopoly. Have you seen it? Yeah, I was reading about it. Oh, no. there's, there's actually uh, the brouhaha being about how uh, it was basically pay for replacement. And now that, that's not unusual. They used to do... I've got a game called the, the City of Wagga Wagga game. Really? And it is exactly that. It is advertisers. Do you say it on your own? I buy everything on oh. my own. Everything. Really? Yeah. It, it's like it's more boring than Snakes and Ladders. Oh, I can't like Snakes and Ladders. Uh, yeah. Well, but snakes, not on your own. Snakes and Ladders is... Oh, look, I've got to go down. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <Oi>, Ladder. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> <laughs> snakes and Ladders has got a, a very a beautiful kind of simple symmetry to it. And what about um, Frustration, the one where you press it, boop, boop. And there's a dice in the middle. Oh, that's very that's noisy game, but fun. I landed on you. You got to go back to the stuff. Didn't have that. I had hungry, hungry hippo though. Okay, I did too. You can, do, you can play a live version of that. Have you seen that? Yes. With washing baskets. Yes. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Monopoly, I like because there's a point in children's lives when they don't understand buying things is good. Yeah. They like I used to watch my niece like, hang on to all of her Monopoly money and yeah, going, yeah. you need to buy properties. No, no, I've got, but I've got all this money. Yeah. It's, it's not real money, but I can pretend. It's like, you, no, you really need to. And then they also get to a point where they think I'm trying to trick them. Even when I'm doing them a good deal, Okay, they always think I'm trying to trick them. So then I go, okay, no, I said. if you think I'm trying to trick you, I'm going to try to get you to do something presuming you think I'm trying to trick you. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just, I just what double a, bluff. What a lovely relationship you have with those children. I double bluff the shit out of it. <laughs> and they're all very well adjusted for... Um, That's how you toughen them up. For con people today. <laughs> they're not going to get... They're not going to get... They won't be done over at the local market. <laughs> no. No way. No. Nah. <laughs> They'll go, hang on. I gave you a 20. <laughs> Transition. Why didn't oh, I... shit. Why didn't that press record five minutes ago? Instantly sweating. Five minutes ago when the alarm goes off in the hospital next door and you've gone, someone's died. Still going. Yeah. Somebody walked out the wrong door. That's more than one. Someone's walked out the wrong door. Your coffee's just gone down the wrong hole. (laughs) (coughs) Emilio Westervis. Where is Emilio Westervis? He's directing now. Where is Emilio (laughs) Westervis? It's the name of our new show. He's um, directing now, isn't he? Is he? He directed that one that was about Bobby Kennedy. I won't stop. You know what? Somebody should get the Sheens slash Estevezes and the the Baldwins and the Daddos and put them all together in a big house. I don't know if the Daddos really belong there, do they? Just because they're a big family name. Yeah, but that's... That's, that's the twist. Less. They'll that's, charge a lot less. That's the twist. Okay. And it's like, 
this is my idea. So yeah, yeah, no, I I wouldn't take it. I promise. No, 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 no. So (laughs) safe, you're safe. We've got to have local content. Yes, and the Quins. Oh, we're not famous enough. Oh, it doesn't matter. It gives it a really local element. I was thinking about more brothers that you get kind of confused between. Okay. Do you ever get told you look like anyone? Uh, When I was a lot younger and better looking, uh, occasionally had got, and don't laugh too hard. Do you see yourself as older and not very good looking now? Uh, was well, you'll understand. I would never say that. You'll understand. I would never say that about you or myself. Understand when I say who. Uh, it was a Kate Winslet once. I, I can could, I could see that. A yeah. lot younger. And I mean, I was 20. And usually I describe myself as either Madonna gone to seed or Eric Stoltz in drag. <laughs> um, a little bit of Bet sometimes. Okay. A bit of Midler. Bet Davis. Oh. Not Bet Davis. No. No. She's got no jaw. Look at me. <laughs> she ain't got much these days. <laughs> It's got a lot less now. Um, I can see Bette Midler, you know, from a distance. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you a really odd thing that happened once. I was in, also in a choir. I did a lot of choir stuff as well. And we were singing in this choir, um, which had a lot of different schools, so a lot of different choirs coming together. Some kind of choir convention, if yeah, you yeah. will. Anyway, there was, um, uh, as well as the rumour that John Blackman's daughter was in one of the choirs. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there was also another girl there from another school who at the same time as her friends noticed, my friends noticed that we were doppelgangers, that we looked the same. So all my mates were going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, look at that girl over there. She looks exactly like you. Wow. And her friends were going, look at that girl over there. She looks exactly like you. And at the same time we looked at each other and went. Oh. And was it Kate Winslet? No, it was just a window. Oh. Weirdly yeah, similar. I wonder what she's doing now. And the only other one that was my music teacher from high school said, Oh, have you seen the picture of this girl? She looks exactly like you. And it was a girl who was um, testifying that her um, she had repressed memories of her parents uh, sexually abusing her in satanic rituals. Wow. Yeah, that wasn't true. Oh, do you Didn't know all the famous know. people? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> you, you and your West End. You've got nothing on me. No, that was a while ago. I'm getting um, Gary from Master Chef. which is just like You're getting the- ridiculously offensive. I think I have to look this up. Where's my phone? Perhaps another time. Is this? Is this? A, I don't watch those shows. <clears throat> uh, is this a competitor? No. Um, I don't know who a Gary from MasterChef is. He's a chef and a judge. Gary, MasterChef. <laughs> Thanks. MasterChef. <laughs> I just got to Google this. You know, there's really only one right answer to Gary this. Gary Mahigan. Mahigan. Yeah. It's definitely Mohican. Gary the Mohican. Image search. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I really don't get that. And I, you know, no, like, those people need to check their eyesight. I've had it a, like a lot. That said, I'm definitely using that as a picture for the podcast. Thank you. The other one is Nathan Lane. I get I'm like Nathan Lane. Oh, Nathan like, Lane. Awful lot. I, I, I would do Nathan Lane. You I, would. I mean, I wouldn't do him, but... <laughs> I think you might be I'd barking probably, up the wrong tree. I'd give it a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't? Well, I don't <laughs> think I would. That's because you'd just be thinking you were looking in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe it's more of the essence of, you know, big big old theatrical Mary. I'd like to, you know, I like his you career. both got quite round, you know, you've got round... Pleasant faces as well, though. Pleasant. What a pleasant face you have. I've always thought your face is incredibly pleasant. I suppose it's better be unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Shall I use that one? You must. Okay, so we've got, got I don't have to get a high-res picture from you now. I could just Perfect. (laughs) use this. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like, I don't get, I would never get really angry or upset by that. I think whatever. I I don't reckon I do, so... You've got to believe what you believe, otherwise if you listen to everybody else, you'd be a miserable motherfucker. Do you know one of the weirdest ones I got was a stranger. I was putting up my posters in one of the, um, on one of the poles in the city, the public poles to put your posters up on, and it was next to a Kylie Minogue poster. Oh, yes. And a girl, a woman walked up and said, is that you? And didn't point at my poster, pointed at Kylie Minogue. I, I just went, what? No, I think you could, you could be an older sister. Because you would be slightly older, aren't you? I don't know. I don't know how old Kylie is. She's older than me. Is she? I don't know how old she is. She's got more money for work. (laughs) She what? She's got more money to get work done. 
I am. You don't. Kylie Minogue is older than me. You don't look like you need work. This constant. Yeah, I used I'm, to be. I used I'm to be. I'm here on that bike chain, going backwards at an almighty pace. Then learn to pedal backwards. <laughs> um. <laughs> how old is Kylie? I'm looking that up as well. She's in her forties. You don't know. You're forty. I don't know. I don't know how old Kylie Minogue is. She's born in 1968. She's seven. Oh, she's okay. forty-seven. I didn't know she was that old. And I know your age, so. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's tiny and skinny. Can you hear the vacuuming? I can hear the Someone's vacuuming the stairs. The back stairs are being vacuumed. all that egg that you've just fallen (laughs) off your face. Oh, please. (laughs) I I never worry about what comes out of my mouth. Walking along, I try to say I'm lucky to be working. I'm lucky to be working. Lucky to be working. Yeah. When I'm exhausted and I just think... Oh, and you need to sit in front of that mirror, and it doesn't look like I do, but I do. And I sit in front of the mirror and think, oh, God, and, you know, get rid of the eyebrows, put the makeup on, do that. I think, shut up and be grateful. I, I think I... And I have red wine. Oh, no, I, I think I'm always, you know, I'm very happy to do, to do stuff. And I, I now have kind of got to a point where I can do a slightly less full dragged up thing right. for, for, like, if it's just a... If it's a comedy-ish gig, not yeah. that I do an awful lot of those at the moment, but um, it's more compared to other people. I sometimes just go, "Oh my god, there's mm. so, so much rigmarole involved, so much." But I've made that choice, and it's a choice I'm happy to have made in terms of upping the ante with all the the costuming and whatever else. I know? think I wouldn't really enjoy doing a musical anymore. Uh, I wouldn't enjoy doing. Um, Les Mis, where I've have to, they haven't offered, by the way, uh, that I have to do um, night after night exactly the same. Yeah, that would I would it would destroy me because I need to have a live slight slight chance of improvisation, mm. even if it's just you know a slight well, different way of doing it. Mm. Doing exactly the same would just murder me. Mm. But I probably would say yes. Oh, you would, wouldn't <laughs> you? you? Know. You would, but I wouldn't want to be. I mean, if they if they said it for three years, I would definitely say no. Well, it's like, and it's like you know, uh, isn't it? Doesn't it get really boring doing exactly the same thing night after night? You know, it's not this. No, but a musical kind of is. Yeah. You know, um, but then I find it ironic when somebody's working in a bank and asking me that. You know, <laughs> but really, it isn't exactly the same, but kind of is, isn't it? No, well, it's all those elements being you know thrown up in the air that you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, yeah. And that's the other important thing I think to remember is that everybody has a shit gig sometimes. Yes. So you wander around and you'll have a bad one and you think it must be me. Anyway, uh, when that happens at those kinds of gigs, like I had one recently where they just were too drunk by the time I got on yeah. and and I, they just weren't listening and there wasn't a lot I could do and it was not a theatre theatre, it was kind of more makeshift and at the end of it, I got off and one of the other performers who'd done quite well because they'd sort of done lower common denominator sort of stuff <laughs> said, how did you feel that went? And I went, I found that really hard. And he went, without missing a beat, he replied, yeah, they weren't really with you. Yeah, right. And I just was like, oh, fuck Would you ever, I would never be that. I would never be that one, that guy, that person. A, you don't no, need to ask. You don't need to it say anything. It was evident, you know. Yeah. And you don't need to add any, you know. Yeah, if you, I mean, I didn't do a bad job either. And if you're listening and you need to be that guy, I've, as far as I'm concerned, you can lie to me. That went really well. You did great. Oh, even if you... I just shut the fuck up, quite frankly. Yeah. Just get a drink. Just go, or, or just go, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was great. You, yeah, that song's great. Don't worry about them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't think you would. Oh, fuck. No, but that's back to the drama class, I think, that you, uh, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're doing something, build someone up rather than bring them down, mm. you know. Or, or keep your mouth shut. It was a really odd thing. And I just sort of, you walk away going, I don't want to let anybody down. I don't think I let anybody. I thought the circumstances got me to a position where I, there wasn't much I could do. I agree. And <clears throat> and I still think I, I quitted myself quite well and, and I was so exhausted. And then you have to sort of stop and go, oh, wait, no, everybody has these. The best, my f- most favourite comedians who I think are brilliant – they all still will occasionally have that one where it doesn't quite line up or the audience was kind of expecting a yeah. different thing to what you are and you can't charm them. Yes, but it, back to that, if you were exactly the same everywhere you went, it would be like 
you know, the bank or the musical or the way. You, you're bound to be different. You're bound to not be as brilliant each time you go on well, because that's life. Well, this is what my old director of drama said quite wisely. Which they're was, now doing the garden. They're doing the garden. Yeah, if noise. you can hear a leaf blower. <laughs> if I could get every fucking leaf blower, except for the one that we use occasionally in the studio when I need to get a wind effect for my film okay, clips, no, that's a leaf blower. Although it sounds like a good move and then you say, I can't hear the track anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> Am I miming the right words? <laughs> Have you seen people do it on a windy day? Oh, God. Obviously, we all have. My landlord gets a leaf blower out, my elderly landlord, and, and he likes to clean up the front of my unit, which is my bedroom, oh, no. basically. So this is a noise that causes me some pain. But anyway. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I was talking about how... Drama teacher. Drama teacher, yeah. And she said to me, she said to us, the, the, the moments of magic happen once in a blue moon. Everything else is technique. And I've never forgotten that. So great advice. It's the same with any comedy gig. There's so much you can't control. You can't control when people whether people are going to laugh or not. No, no, because who do you want them to be constantly laughing? Yeah. So there's all these elements. You just go well if I sing it well and I don't swear at everybody. Well, abusively swear at everybody, then we're okay. Yeah, the one and doing well is um, not that I do that regularly. By the way, being comfortable with the technique as well. Like making people, leading them, at least leading them along, bringing them with you, you know. Yeah, I was, they were, they were kind of in the bit, bit too drunk, don't really want to listen, going to no, talk no, through you, me stage. No, you were never going to win that. No. Nah. I, mean, I had a few you. people I was getting, so I was trying to get to them and ignore that. Yeah. And they were nice and some people did still come up and go, oh, that was really good. It's just like, yeah. I like the intimate venues as well, probably more than the bigger venues. You know, when they're really up close and personal, I like that. Like where? Well, I mean, you know, the Butterfly Club is pretty close. Yeah. Chapel of Chapel's very close. You know, they're right there, aren't they? You know, obviously the ones at the back aren't, but there's enough in that, you know, front bit. Oh, sorry. I know you just saw my face glaze over then. It's because I was trying to think of non-intimate venues that I'd performed in. Well, like, I mean, if you go to the Arts Centre or somewhere like that, you know, the Hamer Hall or... I've never performed at the Hamer Hall. Must off. We've all done the Hamer. No, that's the point I'm trying to make. I gather. No, <laughs> I haven't. I think it was on a lineup. Oh, right, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've done those. I'm not like, generally selling Hamer Hall either. And so that means that when you do your technique and get off and go, I think I got one of them, then that's cool. But yeah, yeah. when you actually somehow it clicks and you go, yes! Yeah, yeah. It's I a, just it's got a great 400 issue. strangers. Yes! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't do it for money. No. No. I did make a head-shaking motion there. That's right. I thought I'd be audible. No, well, there's plenty of other audible things happening right now. Yeah. I think we we'll might. we in a minute. <laughs> Bull. Do we say goodbye? Do we Thanks, Michael. Michael Dalton, ladies and gentlemen. He's just airing his ears out. Leaking. Michael Dalton, leaking for your pleasure. Yes, that was episode six with Michael Dalton, also known as Dolly Diamond. Next episode, I will be talking to Melbourne singer-songwriter Jude Pearl, who has done her first show in the Comedy Festival this year and is doing her second next year in 2016. Speaking of which, don't forget to actually go and buy tickets to the live show. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Oh, no. Is it a siren? The hospital's on fire. Do you think I should go around there and tell them we're trying to do a podcast? Yes.